We only hated the volleyball players in my school. <laughs> the, the male volleyball players. They they cruised around school saying they, they were the best athletes on campus. We were like, are you fucking kidding me? Dude, I beat you at volleyball in gym class routinely. <laughs> I'm busy. Between it, tripping while I'm slipping, busy fighting all these demons. Listen while I'm spitting, bark, you probably won't believe it. But life is so terrific, tell them piss me if I'm dreaming. Revenue's what I get, get your bitches what I did get. Came about my business, them pesos what I did get. Made a hit, had a fix, they saying use this shit, nigga. Tell them get off my dish, nigga, you bucket headed bitch. Crossing all the lines, time is only racing time. Equipping to the ball, so I'm only raising mine. Depending on the grind is the only way to shine, so I'm feeling like the Ours is the only state of mind And it's finna give me peace Life up in these streets Equipped it with a piece Case you Nicholas when it peaked Cause man gave us laws And God gave us time It's the art of storytelling And I'm only telling mine The lines we've crossed We've crossed Have always been wild laws It changes all the time Welcome to Atlas Bacht a weekly chronicle concerning the mundane, weird, and maybe even sometimes dramatic happenings of a simple fantasy baseball league. This podcast captures the thoughts and musings of Greg, Joe, Jack, and Tim, four of the ten owners in the league. This is episode nine, entitled Pseudo Scout. Okay, welcome to episode nine of Atlas Bacht. Greg, it's great to see you. It's great to be here. Wonderful. Joe, it's good to see you. Good to see you again. Nice. Well said. I'm loving the Celtics t-shirt, man. So let's do a quick rundown of the games last week. In um, a big game, we talked a lot about a Mission Commission. Mission Commission lost to the Dreamers last week in a fairly close game. So the Dreamers and Omission Commission finished uh, Dreamers with 43 points against 39 points. And uh, maybe there's some cracks starting to show in the Omission Commission's team. We had uh, what was hyped as a really big game, but turned out to be kind of a stinker. Uh, Reardon Metal destroyed Mr. Blonde's heroes 52 to 33. That was a drubbing of the first degree. Lethal Injection. Another loss. This is the Lethal Injection's second loss in a row. Dax Wax Packs waxed Lethal Injection 47 to 35. Um, and St. Locast, Stink Fist, a, a team we were thinking maybe on a run, not so much. Uh, LJ's Funk and Punks uh, beat back St. Locast, Stink Fist 41 to 38. And my team, the 47 Ronin. Uh, in a much closer game than I thought it would be, 49-44, to 44, beat Bad Street, and that has moved me to 3-3, three and three, and now we have three teams in the Champions Division at 3-3. Three and three. Anything stick out to you, boys, when you saw the games? Well, I mean, I think we're starting to um, see the effects of a lot of the active trading. I can't recall a year when we've had more active trading at this time in the year. You know, and I, I think, uh, you know, Joe took me to the woodshed, as you mentioned, and I think that um, that's definitely having an effect. Um, do you think but, that, you know, but do you think that 
the trading is increasing because of the podcast. I wonder, given now that Mikey's listening to the podcast, Scotty's listening to the podcast, that's that's six of the 12 teams represented. Is it is it listening to the podcast, or is it the fact that everybody's four and two, two and four, or three and three right now? I think it's a little both. I think, I don't know if it's the podcast per se, but I think that the podcast is bringing us together. I mean, you know, until last week, I'd never until this this year in this podcast, I'd never seen some of my fellow league members and I've been in the league 10 years. You know, I, I never did a trade with Mikey it, in, in 10 years and not for the lack of trying. And so I think the fact the format that we have here where we're seeing one another and we're speaking on a re- more regular basis, um, I think that's breaking down some silos, maybe. Well, it, it is helping me. But so, for example, in a trade I made with Joe this week, I literally, when I was mixing down the podcast from last week, said, holy crap, I see a strength I have. I see a strength that Joe has. Joe's talking about he likes to trade strength for strength. Boom. You know, I sent him a trade and it went through. And I don't know that I would have even thought about offering that had I not specifically listened to him. But you think maybe more competitive balance and a little more familiarity are making the making the difference. Yeah, I think it's human nature. I mean, uh, I think in, in real sports, you see uh, teams who have more frequent than other trade partners. And it's got to be GMs who know each other and, and teams who are familiar with one another and, and kind of like the way they go about building their teams. Uh, I think that lends itself to, to more active trading. And, you know, getting to know more and more people week after week through the podcast, I think, is... Um, is breaking down those barriers. And it's a good thing, I think, for the league. But that said, I mean, the fact that the entire league is within two games in the standings of one another, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if that makes me uh, happy or if that's annoying, you know, uh, because, you know, I, I, I like to, to it's, it's difficult to assess these teams, you know, and then to, to plan. It, it's keeping me just interested in enough that if Adrian Beltre and David Dahl come off the DL, and the Yankees can string some wins together, you know, it makes me think twice about my strategy. Does it, does it make you, if, if you hadn't traded Posey, do you think you would offer that trade this week? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you know, I, I feel like sometimes you just need to change the composition of a team for the fun of it. I've, I've had Posey for so long and he's great. Um, but, you know, I, I was ready to make a change and he was probably clearly the most appealing trade chip that I had. And so um, I was, I was just looking to mix up the balance of my team and have a little fun with it. Joe, Joe, you've been pretty confident within your team. We've actually noted that your quiet confidence has been very interesting. And given that, you know, you're typically one of the most humble people and always kind of self-deprecating when it comes to your team, yet you just put up the most points of the week last week. You've been confident in this team all along. Is this team doing what you've expected it to be doing all along and it has finally start to show up last week? Uh, more or less. I mean, I, I obviously wouldn't have had that many points if I had either of the two catchers that I was using. So that was clearly something I had to do. It's it's gener- I was hoping that McCutcheon would start to bounce back, and he has a little bit. He's still not where I want him to be, and I probably have waited too long with him, but... I'm going to ride him now. So you, you and the pirates have unfortunately waited too long. With him. 
So if we take a look at uh, Jack's team, Jack's Wax Packs, 47 points. Um, you know, again, a nice balanced effort. Uh, it, Miguel Cabrera was his lowest scoring player, which we know that's not going to last. Uh, and Evan Gaddis, which is his catcher. But, you know, Goldschmidt, top scoring player. And uh, Langoria. And then just a lot of higher than average scores across the board. Ian Desmond coming back is a big helper for Jack. And, you know, Mikey, you know, Mikey's showing some weakness here. Um, had some really bad weeks. Chris Bryant from Anthony Rizzo for Brian McCann. Um, Chris Davis. Uh, Chris Davis with a K. <laughs> the Oakland Chris Davis. Uh, so, you know, is this just a blip on the radar, or do you think there's some weakness starting to show on Mikey's team? I think there's, you know, the same potential that I, uh, you know, the, the potential downfall for the Dreamers, which was some guys who are going to be great professionals. Chris Bryant's going to hit. He's going to be good in the long term. But we don't really know what his um, output's going to be on a year-in, year-out basis. And, you know, I think he's there's some regression there. And, um, and, and he also had some players who Chris Davis comes to mind. He's, he's a good player. He has the potential to have some nice streaks, but he's certainly far from a proven commodity, you know, in terms of an elite, elite player. And that's what I think we're seeing with a lot of our teams. Uh, the combination of that influx of young talent that we talked about last week that is undeniably good, but difficult to predict and forecast their performance uh, versus some veterans who are, you know, at the twilight of their careers. Makes sense. It makes sense. Look at the Funkin' Punks and uh, St. Locash. I do want to point out that Mark Reynolds was LJ's highest scoring player. So uh, good on him for making the trade that he made to get Mark Reynolds. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, Mark Reynolds right now is on triple crown, triple crown pace. I don't know if that's going to, to keep up, but I uh, think in uh, hearing. I don't see any reason why it won't. <laughs> it Mark Reynolds he, does, he does play in Colorado. Yes. Yeah. And so my team had a pretty balanced effort. Uh, obviously, Mookie Betts had an outstanding week. Harper, uh, well above average. And then Arenado, uh, well above average as well. Um, and then Brandon Drury, who's been kind of <laughs> dreary this year, uh, suddenly had a great week. So I'm pretty excited about that. Catching someone when they catch fire is is certainly a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So if we look at the standings, overall standings, uh, we've got in the champions division, the Griffey division, we have uh, three teams tied at three and three and Mr. Blonde's heroes uh, at two and four still, you know, absolutely not out of it. I think the points for, there is a big difference there uh, between the teams. And so maybe that's going to, that, you know, maybe there's some points stored up for you, Greg. Yeah, maybe. And I, you know, I need to get healthy and, and I picked up some uh, guys off the scrap heap who are, at least right now, producing, and I'm not going to be ashamed to put them in. And there's no team that's had more points scored against them. That's always par for my course. <laughs> so that could actually turn out to be a great thing because as both of those level out, right, you, you should be getting more points for your team and you should be experiencing less points against your team. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a there's a chance for my boys there. So you're you know, saying I didn't there's a totally chance. Dis, I didn't dismantle the uh the entire ship so we'll see well that really that really I, I, you did not like that characterization last week you just were like wait a minute hold on guys i actually upgraded so 
you know, I think in reality, Greg, uh, you know, you're you're two and four in your one game out in the Griffey division. There's there's nothing wrong with that. This is a big week for you, I think. If you go two or three games out, that might be more difficult. I just need some depth. I need I need to be able to to take advantage of some hot streaks and and have more than one option at a couple of positions. You know, um, right now I I really have no no hard decisions to make about who to start. Um, you know, I, I need to be able to look at matchups and have some players who have six games versus seven game decisions. But right now it's none of that because of the injuries and the suspension for Jung Ho. The Bonds division, Mikey's team, lethal injection still at four and two, even with those two losses still in lead. Uh, and St. Low Cash is behind him at three and three. Bad Street already starting to show some weakness. And uh, at two and four, it was a tough week for him. He could have won against five other teams, but you know, unlucky for him and lucky for me, he was playing me and I was able to squeak out a win. So that that's a tough blow for him. And then the McGuire division omission commission still at four and two. Although, you know, obviously um, another loss certainly hurts him. Joe, your confidence seems to be well-placed at three and three. The dreamers are right there at three and three, but certainly you've been outscoring the dreamers quite a bit. And the points against are almost identical. So still feeling good about your team, I'm assuming. I am. It's always a crapshoot. And there, there is so much parity right now. You and I have talked many times about getting lucky with pitching. And it helps to have had a high pitching draft pick. And, and that's part of where my, my, my team was not horrible last year. My pitching staff selections were atrocious. And, and I feel better about the pitching I have this year. So that's that's mostly where the confidence comes from. Okay, so we talked about uh, uh, Greg's early in the week last week, his trades. You actually, Greg, you had a, a busy week last week. You picked up Kevin Pillar. Yeah, he's having a good start. And, you know, dolls on the disabled list. And uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, you know, he, he had such a good year last year, it's hard to just give up on the guy. But it, it, I'm close to giving up on him. You know, um, he's just not doing anything at the plate. So I just needed somebody, uh, a body to put in there, frankly. And I, so I, I, there's not a lot of science behind it. I just saw who was the highest scoring free agent outfielder available. Somebody who's going to start. And, and there he was. I was actually about to pick up Broxton. I, I was sitting looking at my computer thinking about Keon Broxton. And I was like, you know what? I just wrote an article about this guy. And I liked him in the preseason, former Pirate farmhand. And I, and, and I think, Joe, you drafted him and then dropped him. And I was going to pick up Broxton. And not, I'm not exaggerating, not 10 minutes later, I saw that you had picked him up, Tim. That actually makes me feel better about picking him up, although I ended up moving him in a deal uh, pretty quickly. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Packaged him up with uh, Avisel Garcia, two guys that are about the same age, both on the upswing. And I think you kind of roll the dice and say, hey, one of these two could actually hit and be well above average in the major league and obviously in the fantasy league. And then uh, I, in return, I got Franklin Barreto. Joe, is that what you were thinking? I mean, I know you needed depth. You talked about needing depth last week. And, you know, I, I had it in spades. So it seems like that's why we were able to connect on that one. We didn't even talk uh, necessarily. Yeah. I think there was a text in between. It sort of seemed pretty obvious to me. So I went with it. And then uh, uh, Jack's Wax Packs, Aaron Alther. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. This guy's having himself a heck of a start to the season. I don't know if you know this or not. And um, doing really well. And I watched a breakdown today on the MOB network talking about the change of his swing and how he has changed his approach and the position of his hands in his swing. There's some interesting background on this. I wish Jack was on the call to 
to talk about it. But uh, Mikey was scaring Jack that Mikey was going to pick him up. So in a defensive move, Jack picked him up. So we'll see what he does with it. Oh, you dropped uh, Odubel Herrera. A roster move, Joe? Well, I uh, have been trading more and, and unfortunately getting deals where I'm getting two for one. So I, ha- I was overloaded. I, I still have a minor leaguer in my on my bench. Um, although I've, I've got moves that are still coming. So, mm. <laughs> I don't read, don't read too much into it. Mm. Given the moves, I mean, obviously, Joe, you're, you're acting like a, a, an owner and a manager who's got confidence and is making plans to get into the tournament, get into the playoffs and make a run at this thing and, and have another bite of the apple. Anything last week changed? I mean, Greg, you said, you know, boy, it's it's really tough to call right now because it's still it's anyone's game. You know, twenty five percent into the season, we've got a full quarter of the season done, and we still can't figure out. You know, geez, who who could walk away with this? I mean, it's all bunched up. I, I guess Bad Street's the only one I'm thinking is well, is Bad Street really kicked my ass. So uh, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, to your point earlier, I'm not scoring a lot of points, so I don't I don't see a lot of hope for me but um I, I think that some of the teams that surprised us on the good side at the beginning are coming back to the pack with a mission commission i think that some of the other teams that we knew were good like your team tim and like the dreamers they're either getting healthy or their players are starting to perform at levels that we would anticipate them to perform at and so um i think there's some flux but i think that we're about to see some uh separation you know, from the teams that are going to emerge as candidates to win their division and to be wildcard candidates. I think that over the next two to three weeks, we'll start to see that as we move into June and, you know, all things being equal, I think whether those factors will be mitigated um, and, and we'll start to see kind of that leveling effect and where these teams true, um, true level lies. Beautiful. Well, we're going to take a quick break now. And when we come back, we're actually going to interview a, a podcast listener. Uh, this gentleman's a listener of the Atlas Box podcast. Also does some heavy scouting for Mr. Blonde's Heroes and uh, has some history with Greg. So this should be a real fun uh, interview. I'm very excited about uh, talking to someone who is, uh, by all accounts, a hell of a baseball fan. Yeah, I like that. It'll be great. So, Justin, welcome to Atlas Bacht. So let's start with your favorite team. I see you are wearing a classic Oakland Athletics hat. Is that true? Are you an Oakland A's fan? Yeah, those are my guys. Uh, despite my uh, St. Louis, Missouri roots, um, I'm, a, I'm a big Oakland A's fan. Uh, it's their managerial philosophy that really got me into it. Um, my undergrad was during the early 2000s, um, got my bachelor's in business management. And so all of the things that I was learning in my classroom, um, efficiency, essentially thinking outside the box, like, even though that cliche is terrible, 
Um, I was also uh, working for my um, my university's baseball team, and um, I was the only one in the office that wasn't coaching. Um, I was helping out with um, you know everything from uh, recruiting to equipment management to I mean you, you name it. And so um, you know learning a business end um, and learning uh, baseball nuances, um, and then you know paying attention to what uh, Billy Bean started doing with this really low market team. Um, I'm like, holy mackerel, like this guy's a genius. Like I, I'm recognizing everything that he's doing, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I see what he's doing from stuff that, uh, um, you know, my, my team's coaches are teaching me and stuff that my professors are teaching me. So, um, and, and it's working, you know I mean? And this is the days when like, you know, you got the big three, you got Hudson Mulder Zito, um, you know, you got Chavez and Tejada, um, you got Giambi. Um, so, I mean, they, they were a, they were a powerhouse during that team. So um, there's a lot of reasons to like them. And um, it just really stuck. Here's a question I have for you. So you grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. So I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, and that would be equivalent of me, say, being a Twins fan. Like, it's not even, they're not a rival. It's not like I became a Yankees fan, but it's just this team. It's way out there. Yeah, I, I do. What you're saying. Uh, when you were growing up, I mean, was, did you just not have a connection to baseball? Or we do you just kind of following the the um, Cardinals and then suddenly found this team that you fell in love with? Or Powder blue uniforms that the Cardinals wore in those days? Oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody was really skinny. You got Ozzy Smith and Willie McGee and everybody's stealing a ton of bases. Uh, whitey ball but um no you know it's uh tim you, you actually um touched on something really interesting um in that uh that's actually um the way i was raised as a baseball fan um yeah we got a we had a, a great hometown team with a rich history um but uh you know i was really raised to love the game not a particular team you know i grew up rooting for all kinds of different guys and you know just the way that things happened like I really liked Cal Ripken as a kid, you know, or, you know, I really liked all these home runs and MVP awards that Juan Gonzalez is winning. And, you know, I mean, it's, um, I, I really liked uh, Greg Maddox and, you know, stuff like that. So, um, you know, my appreciation for baseball, it, it's just the full spectrum as opposed to just this tunnel vision of, Hey, I love my hometown team. And I don't know this team that they're uh, playing against, but I automatically don't like them. Like, that's not how it was. And right. yeah, I mean, that's, that's really where I'm at as a baseball fan and um, essentially my, my upbringing um, and the way that I was taught to appreciate it. So that's, so I was raised that way. I was absolutely raised to anybody who is playing against the Red Sox is bad. So it's a very, very different conditioning. Your, your favorite team is everybody the Red Sox and whoever's the, playing the Yankees. I was just going to say, yeah, root, root for the Red Sox and whoever is playing the Yankees. That's right. That's right. So did you have like an influential adult in your life that, uh, you know, kind of said, hey, just enjoy the game? Oh, yeah, it's it's absolutely my dad. You know, growing up, uh, baseball is a big time part of my life. You know, and uh, it's such a wholesome um, quality thing to have this connection uh, with my dad and my brother with, you know, um, spring breaks as a kid, you know, summer summer vacations. Uh, we're going on road trips around the Midwest, and we're going to a bunch of different minor league stadiums. You know, and so I'm going to see um, the Elizabethton Twins play in a little bitty town. Wait, like, this is with your the, dad? Yeah, this is with my dad, and my brother. 
Um, you know, when I'm going to like Kingsport, Tennessee and Memphis and we're going to Peoria and, you know, we're going to Springfield and, you know, all of these different places. And um, so was your was your dad or, or brother a scout or did they want to be a scout? I mean, your dad, A, is brilliant, right? Because those family vacations were a lot cheaper than Disney World. When you think oh, about yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> going to triple A cities or single A cities or double A cities, uh, that brilliant brilliant move yeah. on your dad's part uh, but that is not common right so what is it that you know your your brother and your dad really and ultimately i think you decided to take in these types of games wasn't it somebody in a cornfield that uh suggested to your dad one day when he was plowing the field that he should do all this <laughs> no um i i don't know um i think it's uh really just finding um as i mentioned a really good common bond you know, it was really just embracing that. Um, so, I mean, as far as scouting goes, um, you know, there was a brief point where uh, I considered that when I was in college. Although I went to a Division II university, um, we were a powerhouse in that Division II. Um, so, I mean, we had scouts there all the time. And during game time, you know, I'd, I'd pick their brains and they'd actually teach me how to scout. Um, and it was really, really neat. Um, you know, and then they told me how much they made and they were like, look, kid, like you're in school, like embrace this. Like you don't want to be having a, uh, um, you know, a $10 a day, uh, meal budget, just be a fan, you know? So scouting, um, I took what I could off of, uh, those lessons from, um, gosh, I forget the guy's name. He was a scout with the Rangers. Really, really good to me. Taught me a lot. Which you know, now Justin shares exclusively with my team. <laughs> Uh, I think now's a good time to interject and, and remind everybody that I monitor Justin's social media accounts, uh, although you <laughs> might see his last name on the screen. Um, Justin, Justin has a, an exclusivity agreement with my team. And so yeah, that uh, is the case. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lean into him like, you know, I'm going to be very Tom Hagenish, leaning in and speak to Michael Corleone at those Senate hearings. And, and, and if I have to stop Justin, divulge anything i will so i'm just I'm putting it <laughs> yeah. out there right now i i did have to just to sign a non-disclosure agreement just so you know justin to actually be able to have you on the show and and i did oh. i did so nice. you know for anyone listening the uh, justin uh actually he 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 scouts for fun and he is free with that information to greg so i think the the deal is we want to get justin in the league to kneecap greg's team and that, awesome. you know, Justin can then take that information for himself it. and Greg will have to find a different scout. You know, from uh, previous episodes that I've heard, I don't think uh, I'm going to really need to kneecap Greg's, uh, Greg's oh. team. Oh, um, look at now. Here comes the hatred. Actually, like, I, I appreciate the, the even kneecap joke on Greg. I mean, wow, we're really busting his balls here on this, aren't we? <laughs> Now, he has a lot of respect for you, Justin, and uh, was super excited to uh, know that we, you know, we could get you on this and, and interview you because I think, you know, Greg is over beers. Greg and I talked about, um, you know, he, he never gave me your name nor number, but he certainly bragged on your abilities, uh, even from when I think Greg, when you were down in Tucson, right? Um, you know, um, we yeah we would talk about it a little bit then, but when I moved here to Portland. And in preparation for the draft, Justin and I were talking a little bit more. And, you know, I, I, it, I will 
happily admit that Justin suggested to me two drafts ago, Greg, your uh, your first two picks need to be Kevin Maitan and Delvin Perez. If you can get those two guys, you'll you'll uh, do well. And there's another guy who Justin, uh, I didn't choose, and nobody has in the league, or as far as I know, is aware of. So don't uh, try to recollect that third person that you told me. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I drafted those players, and then a year later, you finally start to read about what upside these players have. You know, I consider myself a pretty astute follower of the game. But Justin routinely throws out names that I'm like, dude, I've never heard of that guy. And so I, I, I delay replying in text to him so I can quickly look some of these players up to look like not such a total loser. You know? so, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, Justin, yeah, 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 I have my radar on that guy as well. You know? But <laughs> the truth is, is that Justin comes up with some players that I've never heard of. And uh, he obviously knows his stuff. Yeah, we one of the things we have talked about is expanding the league. So, Justin, if you ever are interested and we ever expand the league, you know, know that's there. But you gave me a bunch of stuff here, and I just want to unpack some of this. So you were, you'd done some scouting, um, obviously active scouting for the Division II school. You're a big fan of Billy Bean and Moneyball in terms of how Michael Lewis did such a great job of really articulating how to find an advantage, kind of that meld of business and baseball. What do you look for? Um, so you you have this this love of minor leagues that your dad, what a great story that your dad instilled in you. You go to the park. Do you still do uh, vacations around this? Um, yeah, I mean, last weekend, um, went on that road trip to uh, Albuquerque, you know, which uh, it's like a six-hour drive from Tucson, um, but it's like the, it's the closest minor league field to Tucson, which is a real shame. I'll make that trek if there's a prospect that I'm really excited about. Mm -hmm. And uh, last weekend, it was about um, for a med rosario. Well, I got to interrupt here. You, you'll have to use uh, false names if you start giving out any uh, <laughs> previously undisclosed uh, information, Justin. Just just leave it at you know, oh, there was a prospect man. that you were excited about. Well, then we redact what those names. <laughs> what I'll say about what I saw with him, um, defensively, I think he's ready right now. As far as hitting, I mean, I don't know. All right. Well, sorry, sorry, Greg, whatever, man. <laughs> Just speak. You know, Tim, uh, Joe's also signed a disclosure, and we might now have to use our, our the first beeping technology for this. You know, <laughs> we curse like motherfuckers on this thing. But when you, you, you Justin will play something like, yeah, I went to Albuquerque, and I was uh, scouting. Beep, beep, beep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So um That's right. He's I on mean, my team, so I don't have to ask you to redact. Well again, I, I, I just I got a little 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 fear there when Justin started cool. naming a names. palpitations. Yeah. I um really uh looking at his minor league stats and reading scouting reports, I'm thinking to myself, man, he sounds like he could be like a, a poor man's um Francisco Lindor. You know, like let let me see this. He played like shit when I saw him. I mean, like, he he was batting. I'm I'm not joking. He was batting like 377, 371. Man, he went 0 for 5. I mean, he, he looked like his uh, pitch recognition was horrendous. Um, defensively, you could see the range. He had a great arm, um, able to throw uh, some really good throws to first off balance. But um, so with the bat, he did not shine at all. However, the next day. 
you went three for four with a pair of doubles. Justin, the other thing I, I wanted to to see if I remember this correctly, didn't you work for a hitting academy or uh, or or a uh, Yes. Former major league players own like a baseball facility. He was a Red Sox player, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I worked for a company called Bowls and Strikes for like three years. You're right. It was like a baseball academy. You'd hire a player with um, at least collegiate experience, but the majority of them had uh, minor league experience. A couple guys made the show. One of them, um, Scott Cooper, was a two-time all-star with the Red Sox. Yep. <laughs> Scott was hilarious. I'll tell you some stories later. All right. Yeah. It was, it was really <laughs> neat. Um, I was managing the office over there. We had one guy, he was a scout with the Angels. He used to play ball for them. You know, so I got some, like, scouting tips on him or, like, from him. But, yeah, it, it, that was a blast. I really dug that. Joe and Tim, the more we hear about Justin's baseball acumen, the chances that he'll be approved as an owner in the league uh, become less and less. You know, people are going to hear about, oh, this guy, he, he worked in baseball. He, he apprenticed with some professional scouts. He makes six-hour drives to watch baseball prospects play. You know, you know they're like, yeah, I you think know it what? would be great. Well, thank God our screening process is as weak as it is, right, Greg? That, that I wouldn't be in the league otherwise. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. I think our only our only requirement is that you you just have an insane love for the game. I, I really think that's about it. Um, and fifty dollars. And, and right, 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 and the league fees. That's right, and you pay on time. Back to some of the the scouting stuff because I, I've, I've been amazed by the whole craft of scouting. So I imagine you must watch the Arizona Fall League. Then is Phoenix is a lot closer. Oh, big time. Okay, I take I take a week off of work every October. <laughs> okay, uh, nice. yes, you are definitely obsessed. I love it. So, do you take your stopwatch? Do you have a, a radar gun? Are you all geared up down there? Or oh no, um, I, I'm not. I'm not like that i mean i don't bring a stopwatch or anything but i mean you know you watch the game long enough you can see who's quick um oh man here's actually a speed story for you from the fall league this is maybe the most dynamic thing i have ever seen like in any any game any level ever billy hamilton was there so he gets a clean hit the first base he steals second he steals third this is all with the same guy batting. The batter hits a chopper to the pitcher. Billy Hamilton scores. Think about I've never seen anything like it. He completely manufactured his own run through speed. I'll never forget that. So, Justin, uh, I know that you're not a pro uh, scout and that, you, that they actually talked you out of being a pro scout. But do you yeah, understand the 2080 scale? Oh yeah, absolutely. So can you just take, can you just take for our, you know, um, somewhat non-existent audience, but can you just kind of take us through a quickly what a 2080 scale is and how do you, how do you assign, uh, you know, a five or a 50 and 80 or a 20 mm, yeah. and what that is? Um, let's see, a 50 is an average. Um, so if you're like a, a 50 hitter, probably looking at like a, 270 batting average mm -hmm. for power you're probably looking at like 18 home runs uh a 70 power like a chris bryant i mean you're looking at like um you know low 30s consistent mm -hmm. and 80 power you really don't see that i saw that once when um they were scouting uh bryce harper mm -hmm. he had an power crazy yeah i mean that, that's that's unheard of and that plays in game right i mean that 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 80 power is in game oh yeah absolutely 
um, Stanton's got it too. Mm-hmm. A 50 speed, you're probably looking at like 12, 15 stolen bases. Right. So it, basically you could be graded on, and there's different skills, right? So there's there's the hit tool, there's power, there's running, there's... Yeah, your arm and your defense. Arm and the defense, okay, right. And, the, and those are five tools. Those there's your five tool player. And so each one of those tools could be graded between 20 and 80. Correct. And, and then you'll have your uh, raw power mm-hmm. and game power, Okay, which are two different things. So game power is just the ability to translate that power into the game. So you might be able to, with a juicy kind of hitting batting practice pitch, really kind of have light tower power. But when you're playing in a game situation against a pitcher who's trying to get you out, it doesn't play up to that level. So it may play lower. So Billy Hamilton would be an 80-grade runner. Man, I tell you what, if I was able to give it a 90, <laughs> it's like that. But it's I like that. It speaks to how rare an 80-grade actually is, right? Oh, yeah. Very, very rare. You know, and actually, on the flip side, um, I'd say in the majors, a 20-grade on anything is very rare. Think about that, because they're not going to make it. Yeah. It, the, I mean, the... The ability to play in the show, when you think about just the amount of obstacles you have to overcome as a human being, you know, whether they be physical, whether it be mental, uh, constantly being tested at every point, at every level, in every situation. It, it, it's circumstantial. It's political, too. I mean, like, how many of these kids are um, stuck behind uh, a, a top flight everyday player in front of them? Does it seem to you like that's changing a little bit with with the current crop? It seems like they're bringing them up quite a bit younger now than they used to. You know, I think a lot of that is also just because um, the training, the um, nutrition and uh, physical um, uh, development is just on a completely different level. Um, you look at uh, like a Joe Madden, you know, he wants his guys to play all over the place, allowing these players to gain um, positional um, diversity um, that limits their potential roadblocks. You know, I mean, look at um, look, look at what um, uh, Bellinger is doing right now. I mean, this kid is a potential Gold Glove caliber first baseman. But if that's all you had him do, I mean, prior to Adrian Gonzalez's um, injury, I mean, if you didn't give um, Bellinger some reps in the left. He might not be winning a couple games uh, behind his bat. So I think, um, you know, this development in the minors, gaining that diversity. Yeah, I mean, that, that's helping these kids get brought up as well. Altuve homered this evening, by the way, Joe. Excellent. I'm happy for you. I still love that little guy. Oh, he's adorable. yeah. Yeah, he's, a, he's Roberto Alomar. <laughs> he is. I think that's, that's one of those things with fantasy baseball is that um, it, it – for me, it becomes an emotional connection. Like I feel somehow connected to this human being who has no idea that there's a connection at all, right? You know, and, and yeah, yeah, the guys <laughs> don't know that we exist, and we're uh, talking about him on a podcast that they've never heard of. Um, That's right. That's right. That's right. So it's crazy. For- You've listened to some of the episodes, right? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, Justin, you actually are our first celebrity guest, and Boom. you've actually worked—you've actually worked in the game. So, you know, uh, you know, to me, and you're actually kind of, you know, playing a scout on TV, essentially. 
I mean, it's it. You know, you're you're going through the motions. So, oh no, he, he scouts for me, and you know, I hope the IRS isn't listening because Justin writes off all of those road trips, you know, because That's he right. works for the, uh, you know, Mister Blonde's Heroes. Now, I'm gonna ask Justin three questions, and you know, don't analyze it, Justin. Go with your first instinct. You ready? Hmm. Rapid fire. Here we go. Yeah. So National League West is it going to be the Rockies or the Dodgers? Oakland. National it's going to be the Rockies. I'm actually uh, thinking the. Uh, I'm actually thinking Cleveland's going to beat Colorado in five. Write it down. All right, Cleveland over Colorado in wow. five. Okay. Okay. All right. So now your breakdown. Listen, let's let's focus back on the rules of this this little fun segment. I just Rapid heard fire. West, and I'm like, Rapid. boom. Okay, so you're you're starting your team tomorrow. You have the first overall pick. Are you taking Trout or Harper? It's a it's a dynasty league. Trout, no doubt. Okay, and then the final question. Derek Jeter, douchebag or legend? Never heard of him. There you go. Okay, there's the answer. Oh, Justin, this has been great. I, I thank you so much for participating and being a part of this. But, man, it, you're, you're a fascinating person. I, I, I want to dig more into your favorite minor league parks. I want to dig into some other things. So maybe we can get you back on the, on the podcast later in the year and we can go more in depth about this um this this kind of charade of not being a scout and actually being a scout or whatever you want to call it yeah, pseudo uh, scout yeah this was fascinating and i really appreciate you being a part of it and taking some time with us and having a drink with us i think that's that's excellent greg thank you for introducing justin to us and and uh, being a great sport about getting him on on the call Oh yeah, man. He's a he's a great baseball mind, and uh, we we have great conversations. Thanks, Justin. Love you, buddy. All right. Thanks a lot, Thank you, Justin. All right, brother. Have a good one, Justin. We'll yeah. talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Adios. Adios. Hello from the little shop of horrors. Ski mask like the Phantom of the Opera. Go cold like the land of Chicago. Child soldiers spray in a chopper. I had the opportunity to catch up with Jack and have a conversation about some of the work he was doing as he was breaking down the league. One of the things Jack taught me was you always want to know what's really happening as opposed to what looks like's happening. And so he took the time to break down the league with me, and I wanted to share that with all of you and hope you enjoyed as well. So, Jack, I know you've been doing some work on uh, taking a look at the um, standings and uh, did some work on that. I'd be really interested in see what you came up with. Uh, as you were just kind of pointing out, a, a whole lot of balance in the league right now. What, two, two games separating 10 teams at the moment? It seems like it's getting closer and closer every season. And um, just we, we've always had one or two uh, that jump out, one or two that, uh, that fade back early, but uh, it hasn't been the case here the last couple of years with these teams. So um, as you mentioned, um, three of us in the Griffey division, three and three. Jack, can I just and, interrupt you for a second there? You know, yeah. it, it does seem like we're just still really bunched in together, doesn't it? I mean, th this, it does seem different than previous years. It's not just me that we have everybody really still within a game or two. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and again, it, you know, uh, you can only say it's early so deep into the season where <laughs> we're six games in, we play 19. That's a, um, you know, that's a, a, a decent chunk of the season. It's almost a third. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but um, but again, it's it, you know essentially we're we're starting over for the most part. <laughs> At least most of us are. Um, you know, when we're all uh, tied with the same record, balanced out at three and three, uh, not only all with the same record, but all at 500. It's, um, it's, it is interesting. I did, um, I actually, um, uh, took a, a couple of things and there are some numbers within the numbers. Um, and, uh, if you pay close attention, so <clears throat> Tim, you know, that, uh, yourself and, uh, and of course my team are both three and three at the moment. Uh, we are tied with, uh, with LJ's punks and, uh, and now, uh, a game ahead of uh, the uh, the heroes, and I expect that'll continue at this point. Um, but uh, so you and I, three and three, both have the same record uh, points for the season. Uh, so six games, I have two hundred seventy eight point seven. Uh, you're at two seventy eight point two. I actually have a half a point more than you <laughs> for the season. Um, and uh, so both of us ten, 10 points or so uh, back from uh, from Mikey, who I believe has the most points. Um, so very, very close, obviously, uh, to the point. Um, however, uh, when you start to look a little deeper into the numbers, uh, again, uh, record, yes, points, yes. Um, but uh, we do have in the power rankings, we have what's called the breakdown. And what it does, as you mentioned, I think a couple uh, shows ago, you actually mentioned it. Um, and it sets you up against each of the other teams on a week by week basis. If you had played everybody who, who would you have beaten? Who would you have lost to? So when you get into that, uh, your three and three team with 278.2 uh, points, uh, 34 and 19 in the breakdown. So, um, best in the league. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, my team three and three, 278.2 seven points more points than you uh 26 and 28 in the uh in the breakdown i'm actually oh, really? uh, below 500 um where you are 15 games above 500 so um i think again you hinted on this uh when you mentioned it before but what that kind of tells you is um it it, it kind of goes back to consistency um obviously you um you've been a little bit more balanced in 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 your um, there is, uh, again, some luck to it in your good weeks if other people don't do as well or, mm -hmm. or have good scores. Um, but overall, um, basically, I have been up and down this season. In fact, I, I have uh, won and then lost and won and lost and won less so far. And um, when I'm winning, I'm, I'm winning with, you know, 50 and 60 points. So right. when I'm losing, I'm losing with the 30s. And um, that is inconsistent. <laughs> and, and, and uh, and kind of a scary thing to uh, uh, to go you know forward with. Has so it been, as has close... it been your pitching or or is this more no, no, your no. position players? Absolutely not. In fact, what makes it even scarier is um, I happen to have the um, uh, the best and most consistent pitching staff in the league uh, in the Dodgers. Oh, they that's are right. 10, 11 on a regular basis. So. Uh, if they're getting me 10 and 11 points every week and my score is fluctuating by 20 plus <laughs> points, um, <laughs> that tells you what's going on with my batting. So, yeah, your batting, my gosh, that, that means your batting's really fluctuating. So, boy, oh, boy, is that something that, that you want to get in there and fix? I know you're a type A personality. You're a driver. It must be killing you not to be able to just go in there and, you know, perform surgery, right? Get this stuff fixed and get it fixed now. <laughs> I, uh, and, uh, you, you know me well, 
I um, again, this used to be easy for me. Um, it uh, no offense to the uh, the uh, the uh, older uh, owners of the league, but um, it used to be a little easier for me to piece this together. Um, you know what? Uh, nine times out of ten, yes, you you don't really want to uh, trudge forward with a, um, a, a a Jay Bruce team, a, a Pat Burrell team that that up and down that you know eight and then two. Um, <clears throat> however. Uh, with the team I have at the moment, um, you know, I got uh, a couple of guys that are, you know, on the other uh, other side of uh, that, uh, <laughs> that unbearable age of 27, according to Scott. Uh, so, um, I, you know, I might just um, be in that 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 very small percentage of teams that that is going to be better off riding it out. And, um, you know, if I can get enough of those 50 pluses to make up for those 30 pluses. And I can put two or three of them together after week 19. And, um, uh, you know, that might be my best shot at this point, especially with that consistent staff, um, gives me a little bit more, uh, of a, um, desire to gamble, if you will. <laughs> so <laughs> the way I always picture in my mind is, is a sine wave, you know, you have those, that kind of wave, right? And, and if your whole team is on that very same sine wave, you have exactly what you're talking about, right. where you're, you're, you're capturing all these points when you don't need them and you're not getting a bunch of points when you do need them. And it's better when you have nine different sine waves that are all slightly different over time, right? So your, your overall team score is the same. Yep. And so, you, and I, I think I, I have it broken down in two sections. You have your, your position players, and then you have your pitching staff. And if you once you settle the pitching staff down, because that's typically a quarter of our points, then the remaining 75% of the points, right, is there. So um, the fact that you've got one of the two pieces of the equation, um, which, I mean, with baseball, right, you never really know. It's, you know, there is an argument to be said, just leave it be, and it'll settle it out on its own, right? To a point, yeah, to a point. Um, you know, I... I um... We'll see. I, you know, I do have a couple of guys that have definitely been underperforming. Um, Joey Bats uh, looks like he's starting to get his groove back, so that'll obviously be helpful. Um, Kipnis, you know, again, you, you, uh, you know, you take a couple of good scores, you insert them into those thirty-plus weeks, and all of a sudden, your, you know, your your average and that breakdown number increases dramatically. So. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's, it, yeah, it's definitely a fixable situation, but it's just interesting to see at, at first glance, you know, you and I have the, the, again, almost identical situations, but when you look a little deeper into it, uh, dramatic differences. So along the, um, the lines of that, you know, the breakdown again, so, so, uh, you know, we've always back in the day, um, playing head to head, obviously you're going to have those you know, the weeks where you, you score the second most points and you lose, or you score the second least points and you win. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the fun of head to head. Um, you know, there is a definitely a better mathematical way of trying to figure out who, but uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for the fun of head to head in my opinion. Um, so that said, we, you know, we've always, uh, considered points to be a, a huge determiner on who the best team is as the season goes on. Um, and then, you know, and again, um, you know, for those who don't know, we, you know, we run our, our league on CBS sports there. So they have that, that, um, again, power ranking and then the breakdown segment. Right. And that has kind of, everybody has kind of shifted over to the breakdown as to the, the true indicator of who is, who isn't. So again, to give you a, um, an idea, I already, you know, showed you the, the difference between us. 
Um, the other teams that are doing well in the breakdown, and again, this is in a league where everybody has the same damn record. Um, uh, reared in Metal is uh, 33, 20, and 1. So um, a, a game uh, below you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then Scotty's Omission Commission, um, even though I know they got tagged this week uh, by the, uh, the Dreamers, he's 32 and 22. Um, and then Lethal, who, you know, has, you know, been bullying people around here the first month or so <laughs> of the season, um, is actually 29 and 25. So not, not horrible by any means, but again, um, you know, not the ridiculous numbers that you might guess. So, um, again, just an interesting aspect to the game. Um, you know, it is head to head and that does come into play, um, you know, by again, 19 weeks of it, for the most part, you seem to to get it all settled out and, and everything settles where it should. I do think the 19 weeks has, uh, for this league in particular, there's been a few times that we've, we've seen some things that maybe someone probably really did miss a spot in the playoff roster. I think Greg's team a couple of years ago, uh, was snake bit there, but it's, it's the exception that proves the rule in my opinion. For the most part. Yeah, yeah. I agree for the most part. Um, and and I I absolutely we did we did a, a year or two I think at least one year where we did it rotisserie style and it was so boring it was such a snoozer there was no drama it was yep yeah there, exactly it was at the end of the year you were able to say my team was absolutely better than your team and there's no <laughs> question about it however correct those nineteen weeks leading up to it were uh, were a lot less exciting a lot less shit talking um, all the fun stuff that goes along with it. Well, and, and also trading for a guy, then putting him on your team and letting him just, you know, whip the crap out of the team you're playing. Right. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's part of it too. I, I think the head to head element. I think moving forward, we're going to refer to that as being posied. Welcome back, everybody. And I'd really like to talk about Derek Jeter. And for some reason, Greg is seems really hell-bent on getting his opinion across on uh, Derek Jeter. So what is it, Greg, with Derek Jeter? Well, I mean, you, you, we all saw that he they had a ceremony for him at Yankee Stadium. They retired his number, and now there are no more single-digit numbers left for the Yankees to use. And let's be honest, I fucking hate the Yankees. Most people have that kind of visceral reaction to him. And, and Jeter, he he is the microcosm of all the things that I dislike about the Yankees. Okay. Same thing with Notre Dame football, but that's another story. But, you know, Jeter, it's, you know, it's because he's a Yankee. He was a great player. There's no question about it. He was a great player. But there there uh people seem to be imbuing him with all all these manner of noble qualities that I I have no evidence of them. I mean, let's he was kind of a slut, let's face it. He banged a lot of hot chicks, and I give him his props for that. But, you know, he, he he's, has this noble uh, era uh, aura about him, like he's some elder statesman of the game. 
I read the same weekend of the retirement's number. I read that he was uh, furious that he had to be interviewed in the same space as Alex Rodriguez. I mean, Alex Rodriguez, piece of shit, too. But, uh, you know, who's Derek Jeter <laughs> to take the high road on, on uh, Alex Rodriguez? When I look at Jeter and his, um, his counting stats, there's, they're off the charts. His rate stats were good. He was never, I mean, really good. He was never an MVP, though. You know, he, he, you know, he played for a dynasty in the Yankees that was just loaded top to bottom with talent. He's like Scottie Pippen. He's like Reggie Wayne. You know, he's a great player, and he would have been an undeniably great player on his own, but he clearly benefited from the, the cast of players that he had around him. And they've chosen him not because he's some you know, great person, uh, seemingly, but just because he didn't do anything terribly wrong. You know, that's not the same thing as being a, a great person. You know? And now he's thrown in with, with uh, Jeb Bush in the Saudi Arabian royal family, apparently. You know? So I, I really don't get to see, see the veneration of this guy um, you know, from well, my perspective. He was the face of the Yankees franchise for many years. And, you know, when you think about being the face of any franchise, that's one thing. But when you're the face of the Yankees franchise, that's that's on another level entirely. And that means that you've got to really embody and be, you know, cleaner than clean all the way through. Yeah, long career, again, all with the Yankees. That is not an easy thing to do. That's a team that, that team will not hesitate to buy another player that, you know, to, to plug in and and move you out of the way. And he certainly did it with, um, I don't want to say grace, but he certainly handled the press well enough and embodied that aw shucks, you know, good good baseball player kind of humble approach that I think plays really well. And why not? I mean, you think about the the one of the most important franchises in all of all of major league sports, and he he represented that franchise, I think, admirably well. As a Red Sox fan. You know, I never, I never had any ill feelings towards him. And that right there is why he is not a great player. I forget the the personality. If I don't hate him as a Red Sox fan, he just wasn't that good. He never ripped my guts out the way Bucky fucking Dent or or somebody like that did. So his by his just act of being vanilla, and and being an average above average player. Say, well, geez, you know, I'm not going to hate him because he didn't burn me every time. He, he was a selfish prick. Whoa, selfish prick? Wait a minute. What, what do you mean he was a selfish prick? He, he insisted on staying at shortstop, you know, probably eight years beyond the point with which he, he needed to move to second base. Let's be honest. You know, he had, he had no range at the end there. You know, he made, what, that backhanded flip in that one World Series, and that was a cool play. It was kind of a fluke. But, you know, he, he, he's one of those players that he believed he was above the team. And he was good. I mean, he was good right up there until the end. But, you know. Um, he was adequate. Is, yeah. Here's a player I like, but had, had the same type of egomania. Cal Ripken. You know, Ripken, that stupid streak. He had to be in there every day. He had to stay at shortstop. He wouldn't move to third base. You know, in... Yeah, I like Ripken. I like Ripken a lot more than Jeter. And you know why? Because they're not throwing parades for Cal Ripken, nor were they, you know, when he retired. They're not setting up Cal Ripken to, you know, to be like the spokesman of the game. 
he just I he Jeter's just a punk, you know what I mean? He's he was a good player on a great team. And you know, now he needs to go live his fabulous life and and leave me alone. And and to your point, they they didn't win at the end of his career, except when A Rod carried him. Right. And then yeah, he, now, then he yeah, and, and I mean let's face it, A Rod was a much better player, you know. I think A Rod was a better player even off the juice than um than than Jeter was. And I think I mean the whole reason Jeter was supposedly furious about having to do an interview with A-Rod was because the, the reporter did try to tap into that uh, not-so-secret feud that they had. But it was, it, was, it was Jeter being a whiny little bitch when they, when they signed A-Rod, uh, and they had, he, he made more money than him. Uh, you know, A-Rod had to move to third. Jeter should have moved to second and let A-Rod play short when he first got there. Um, you know, Jeter has this false myth around him that he's the ultimate team player, the captain. Now, he's not. He was a selfish guy. He was worried about the Jeter brand, and he did it wonderfully. But, you know, he, he is well, the but there microcosm were, of the bullshit Yankees. And, and you know, I, I can remember the criticism of him when, when the World Baseball Classic came up. Is, or is he going to play for the U.S. or is he going to play for whatever nationality his father was? And and he just he got in the middle of that and he couldn't get out. Yeah, I mean he that's the thing he he could have been uh, humble and kind of deflated the myth the way that Ripken could have been humble and said you know what yeah, I'm banged up I I probably should take a day off God you know who cares Lou Gehrig's dead and buried I'm worried about breaking this guy's record you know it's just it, it's it's selfish it's players putting themselves above the game. And that really, I, I think that's a little harsh, though. Yeah, he he gave what he had to the Yankees. Okay, he 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 can't sit there and tell me that that he didn't care whether they won or lost, and that he wasn't doing everything he could to help them win. Yeah, everything he could, but but what he wasn't doing was telling uh, Joe Torre or whoever or uh, you know whoever's trying to manage him that you know what, yeah, dude, I get it. You can you can sit me or you can uh, you can move me. You know. Everyone well, how do you know they were smart enough to ask him that? Joe Girardi ain't a well, genius manager either. Well, it, it, it doesn't matter. Either they weren't smart enough to ask him, or they didn't have the balls to ask him because they knew what a. But that's not on him. Was. Yeah, it is because they because you 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 have you you put that vibe out there that oh you know man you see how how bad how hard Jeter pouted for three years when we signed a Rod. I better not ask him to move to second, you know? So Girardi not only has to be intelligent about baseball, he has to read minds, too. He's, he's giving, he's supposed to pick up the vibe. Well, I know, you know, I'm sure Jeter gave up. He's a punk. He gives off a, an arrogant vibe, you know? Let's face it, Tino Martinez, I'm sure, gave everything that he had, too. But, you know, uh, Paul O'Neill gave everything that he had. Bernie Williams gave everything that he had. Posada gave everything that he had. But, but, you know, when those guys started to decline, you know, they, they found revised roles for them. But, but not Jeter. You know, God forbid you, you move him from his preferred spot. or you're, well, you How ask much him. of that is, the, is on the fans, too? What, what do you think would have happened had they moved Jeter? Yeah, but when did that ever stop the Yankees from doing something unpopular? They torture their fans, you know, trade Jay Buhner and, you know, and for all those older Ken Phelps or whoever they got for Jay Buhner. You know, they, they never seemed to mind torturing their fans. It's just that they decided that Jeter was this holier-than-thou figure. He's the captain. And so we, we got to, uh, 
we got a veteran. Didn't they say some bullshit thing like once he retired, they weren't going to have another captain of the Yankees? I, 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 could be I, I haven't heard that. But. I, I, I think that he was going to be the last captain of the Yankees. I mean, what, what, what does that even mean? It's like the guy's retired for 15 years and you can't have a team captain. After that, it's, it's ridiculous. So we're, he's just obnoxious. What's the, what is the source of the myth making here? Is this is this Major League Baseball overall saying, "Look, we can put him forth as the face of the game"? Is this is this is this? And so to do that, there has to be this myth built up. I mean, the Yankees certainly marketed that and marketed it well. Yeah, yeah, they they're overcompensating. You know, we're coming out of this uh, era of players not being clean. And so you look at this guy, Jeter, who, yeah, he was a really good, great even player, you know, but he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't in the top, you know, I don't even know how many top 10 finishes he had for MVP. You know, so if on any given, he was never the best player any single season that he played. Never. Then he once. wasn't a great player. Right. He was a very good player who was super durable. You know, and he played on a great team. Did you say you know, adorable but, or durable? Both. I mean, you you see, you see some of those ladies that he that he uh, was, was he Ben Attendee good looking? Uh, no, I mean, his HQ does not done. even come no, close no. to well, Ben Attendee. And based on results, he's he's Ben Attendee good looking. You know, but um, yeah, he should be in the Hall of Fame for hot girlfriends. I mean, if there was such a thing, uh, he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But you know, it, it's just he he. He is an example of, you know, being the best of the worst. You know what I mean? Being the the best, cleanest player uh, in an era of bad apples. So, all and right. So they they elevated him. So let's just say, ep- I love ripping on a Yankee because this is great. So I, I, I'm enjoying this. Um, and maybe I just fell prey to to the machine, right? The PR machine that was coming through. What player? What contemporary of Jeter's? Do you think? isn't getting the respect that he deserves. Ken Griffey Jr. I don't think Griffey gets the, I don't think he gets the respect that he deserves. Um, you know, because Well, he, wait a minute. Whoever says anything bad about Ken Griffey Jr.? No, no, nobody says anything bad about him. When's the last time you saw his name mentioned in public? You know, they they just did a statue for him in Seattle, but you know, I don't I don't even know if Sports Center covered it. I don't know. Every other time I turn on MLB Network, they're saying something about him. Well, they, they, he should be. I mean, he, he should be the greatest player of his generation, having done it cleanly. You know, but I also, there, there's like, you know, from for my money, Vladimir Guerrero was better than, than Jeter. You don't hear anything about it. There, there's so many guys who are really good players. Larry Walker, you know, was better than Jeter. And he's not even going to make the Hall of Fame, you know, because they, because they, they, give Coors Field um, credit for his statistics, even though statistically speaking, he was good in Montreal. He was a great defender. So do you think um, that Griffey's getting penalized for playing for the Mariners and the Northwest and the you know Cincinnati Reds? Yes. Had Griffey played for the Yankees his entire... Oh, if he'd have been a Yankee, then his they would have been doing this all this stuff for him had he been a Yankee. Hey, listen, I'm, you know, I, I'm with you to an extent on Jeter because I don't think he's in their top 10 players all time. You know, he, he benefits from the, the PR machine that is the New York Yankees. You know, they, they have a narrative um, and they're very aggressive about 
promoting that narrative. And, you know, and, but I said, I mean, I could, you know, rattle off clean players and I just rattled off a few who are better than Jeter, you know? Uh, and again, I don't, I'll give the guys credit. He's got his millions. He's got a great life. Good for him, man. We're, you know, the Yankees want to retire his number. Who gives a shit? I really don't care. I just don't want to be force fed this narrative that he's some ambassador for the game. I mean, let's face it. He's now thrown in with the Bush family. So, but it is interesting that, um, you know, you think about Jeter and his position and that he's been now kind of put up there. If you, if we went back in time, right, has, has this, I mean, are there players that we think are great today, not from a statistical perspective, but from a, a you know, their impact on the game that were built up much like you're, you're postulating here with Jeter, which I don't tend to disagree with on some of these things. But are there some players of the past? In other words, is our picture of what the game was like, has that been changed too? Because, look, if there's a kid that was born today who falls in love with the game like we do and he's looking back, Derek Jeter is going to be someone he's going to be aware of. Well, yeah, the, yeah the, there's no question about it. But, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, and I think in general this goes to my – uh, general dislike for making our sports figures trying to force either hero or villain uh, labels on them. You know, they're, 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 they play a sport. The guy's probably dumb as a box of rocks, you know, on any other topic outside of baseball and where the hottest chicks at New York clubs are. You know, but we're, we're making him this paragon. Um, you know, he, he's hobnobbing with the presidents, you know, uh, it, it's just, it, it's misguided. You know, it's just in the same way, you know, uh, it was misguided to, to give Jordan, you know, so much praise as a human being. I, I don't know anything about Jordan and what he's done. I mean, uh, it's it just, it, it's too much. And, and because he's a Yankee, uh, it, it makes it all the more unpalatable. You know, I think like Yvonne Rodriguez and Larry Walker. I mean, even shit, you look at Mike Trout. Mike Trout should have five MVPs. You know, he's been first or second every year that he's been in the league in MVP voting. Uh, he's 26 years old, and you know, unless he unless the Angels figure out how to win or he goes to a winner, you know, I, I don't see him getting the. I mean, he Mike Trout is having not just a great start to the to a career, but if you go on BaseballReference.com and you look at the similarity index by age for players. And you look at Mike Trout, you know, it's like Mel Ott, Rogers Hornsby, you know, Babe Ruth. I mean, those are the guys who he's similar to by age. You do the same thing for Jeter, and it's, you know, Robbie Alomar, great player, you know, but not exactly in the, in the pantheon of greats in, uh, in the Hall of Fame, you know? Didn't Robbie Alomar get in a fight? With uh, down in Texas, was that Robbie? No, Robbie didn't, or was it Robbie? Robbie Alomar spit. He spit in the face of an umpire. <laughs> he did. That's right. Okay, yeah. that's what that's what I remember yeah. Robbie Alomar for. Right, exactly. Yeah. Not for his hot girlfriends, but for his, uh, you know, spitting in the face right. of a of an umpire. Yeah. So so you know, worship him in the Bronx. You know, he was a great Yankee. Retire his number, but you know, ah, I just I'm over him. He's he's obnoxious. So do you think ESPN clears the schedule for David Ortiz's number retirement in Boston the same way they did for Jeter? No, no way. 
you know, uh, I, I just don't, I don't see it. I, I think that, that Jeter has those movie star looks and he, he, he has all the trappings of being a clean cut, great guy. So they've cast him in that role and they've put that powerful Yankee marketing engine behind him. And it's just, it just doesn't go down well for me. You know, there's so many other great players, you know, and there's probably a lot of other better people. They might not be as great a player who are doing more good things um, than Jeter, but it's, it's all Jeter, Jeter, Jeter. God, it's, it's not Jeter the cheater. Yeah. That's, that's my great memory of Derek Jeter is when he, he got sent to first base because he supposedly got hit by a pitch and they were interviewing him afterward and said, did the pitch hit you? Cause it clearly didn't. You can clearly see the pitch didn't hit him on TV on the replays. And he just kind of smirked and he said, well, they gave me first base. So it must've, it's like, oh. dick. There you go. There you go. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, I really enjoyed this week's podcast recording. Uh, always love seeing you guys and, uh, love you both. Hope you have a great night and, uh, we'll do it same time, uh, next week. Love you boys later. Talk to you later. And, uh, also, uh, just, uh, congratulations to both of you on penguins one. Life's too short to be afraid of the dark And we don't stop after making the mark Separate your chest from your heart To help everybody wag your tail with a lot less bark huh. Put the costume angst away I was born on the year of the razor blade I'm in the back corner of a one-way train This storm ain't nothing but Sunday rain Let's go Get a taste of your soul when you hold breath Got a whole lot of road left. So don't mind if I drive with the top down. Let me know that you know what you want now. Earthbound, aim for the soft spot. So much purpose, I walk like a Molotov. Shot glass, rock hard, penetrate nonstop. Cop cars on the way with the bomb squad. Now let it be known We trying to get ahead before we get a headstone But a rich man still face death alone That's why we turn up the touch and connect the tone Get shown Get a taste of your soul when you hold breath We act like we got a whole lot of road left So don't mind if I drive with the top down you want now dashboard ain't clean as it was back before i first took the last seat on this bus but the children dance when we beat the drums and they still understand why we speak in tongues all city american built a pocket full of cash take care of the guilt the crabs all clash in a barrel of milk but when they clear the snow i'ma steer the seville it goes look for the sign wait for the right time a lifetime to outlive the nighttime and when the paint chips fall gonna find my name on the wall with the crown and the skyline i keep I'm an average guy, I just happen to fly Supernatural high, and I'm laughing inside One nation with a capital I Come on Get a taste of your soul when you hold breath 
you want now Everybody wanna be the next to blow So wet it flows, so flesh it grow Just to let you know, I can let you go, ho ho Millennium, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, do Everybody difficult, everybody simple We all on death row, we all gon' tiptoe I run with kleptos, I still wear big clothes Hold my dick the way you hold your crystals Pissing in the middle of nowhere Fishing in a lake full of frozen tears I'm like a polar bear from the south side of over there I disappear into the open air atmosphere Get a taste of your soul when you hold breath We act like we got a whole lot of road left.